everyone. Welcome to another episode of Useless Draftcast. My name is Greg, and I'm one of your hosts. And eating a late breakfast or possibly an early lunch on the other end of the line is your other host, Jeff McDonald. What is going on, my friend? Not much. Uh, that's a pretty tasty microphone sound you got. I got a new microphone for my birthday. Yay. No more shitty microphone. In a related story, I'm an old man. Today on the podcast, I'm first going to figure out what Jeff has been eating, because I'm curious. What have you been eating, Jeffrey? Back to nature, poppy time crackers. <laughs> they sound delicious. They are delicious. All right. Uh, and now that that's over, uh, we're going to talk about some magic today. We have, we're going to open up the mailbag. I, we've talked about it on a couple past episodes, and... We're not going to get a whole lot of emails read, but uh, there's a couple questions we want to get to. Beyond that, we have a new segment I'm going to call Three Questions. I don't know if it'll be any good, but you are our test audience, dear listeners, and let us know what you think. Uh, After that, we're going to have a short discussion on miracles and how they affect limited play in general, I guess, or our play specifically. Right, Jeff? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that'll probably wrap us up. Uh, but let's not think about the end because that's no fun. Let's think about the now and actually, I mean, let's, let's kick it off with the mailbag. How about that? All right. We can do that. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, uh, we wanted to read some questions, um, by one of our listeners from Brazil, um, because he had some some good general questions that maybe maybe we have answered in the past, but probably in like episode two or something. And uh, they're they're not specific to the format, and they're not uh, outdated at this point, so they're good to good to talk about. So he starts with um, what inspired you guys to podcast, and why podcasting about limited. You want to take what? this one, Greg? No, I want you to take this one. Really? Yeah. Is that because it was my idea to start a podcast? I think that's why. Ah, well, uh, well, I mean, first of all, pod- the reason it's a podcast about limited uh, is because me and Greg do not play other forms of magic. <laughs> that's not totally true. Like, I've played Commander from time to time. I I will very rarely dip my toe into the pools of Constructed, but for the most part, I only play limited. Right. I mean, sure. I, I like all types of magic, and I, I mean, I played in GP Orlando, where it was a standard tournament. Um, it was fun, but uh, I, uh, I, I sucked. And, <laughs> I mean, I didn't suck that bad. I, I did okay, but I wasn't. I mean, there was no point in going if I was thinking I was going to win. But the thing is, is like, I'm a limited player. That's what I play. That's what I'm good at, or what I think I'm good at anyway. Um, so that begs my question is, why do you prefer limited? I mean, you could choose to play any form of magic you wanted, and you've chosen limited. And I want to know, Jeff, why that is. I think the biggest thing is um, that I, it's like very self-encapsulated. I don't have to spend all that much time preparing for a tournament. I can just go and play. I don't even have to bring anything with me. I think that's pretty cool. It's nice because limited is constantly changing. I know that constructed changes as fast as limited technically, but not in the way that the limited format changes. Not in such a huge way, you know? 
new cards are added when a new set comes out, but a lot of those cards aren't touched for constructed where limited it just completely changes the format. Yeah, limited is not collection based whatsoever. Like it doesn't matter what cards you already own, and I really like that as far as being a limited player. Like I don't have to show up with a binder or a pre-made deck. Like I can just show up with some sleeves, a pen and paper, and maybe a handful of six-sided dice, and I'm ready to play. I also like the fact that it kind of levels the playing field. Uh, I understand that perhaps it adds an extra element of luck, uh, especially in like a sealed format where you can open a pool that's very, very good versus a pool that's very, very bad. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think there's any sealed pool that is 100%. Like, uh, there's no unplayable sealed pool. Like, you know, you can always find a deck in the cards that you open, and in draft, it's there's not a whole. I mean, there is some luck involved in what you open. Like, if you get into a certain color and then you open a bomb in that color and pack three like that's that's lucky but i mean that's a part of the game so and, and to say that there's no luck or you, there shouldn't be any luck in magic is stupid because every game is i mean if you mulligan that's bad luck i guess right sure so, i mean there's luck yeah this game is about luck if there there's, was no there's, luck in the game it wouldn't be this game at all it would be it wouldn't be as fun uh so i mean you add a little bit extra an extra element of randomness to a limited format, I suppose, as opposed to a constructed format where you explicitly get to choose what cards you show up to a tournament with. Mm-hmm. But I don't care about. I like. I don't mind the extra luck because everyone is at the same. Everyone enters the tournament at the same level, and I don't think it's fair to say that you prepare less for. Like, let's say you went to a constructed GP versus a limited GP. Like, if you have the goal, like if your goal is to win the GP or make top eight or whatever, you need to prepare probably just as much for a limited PT or a limited GP as you would a constructed one. It's just, it's a little more abstract. Like it's more about kind of understanding the cards and understanding the format so that when you show up to the tournament, you're prepared to play with those cards, like no matter what you open or what you get past in the draft. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. Go ahead. On to the first part of that question. Uh, what yeah. inspired me to start this podcast and Greg to join me? I had been listening to MTG Cast for a bit. I probably had been listening for six months before I started this podcast. Really enjoyed a lot of the podcasts on there. Something that really bothered me about it is that there was a lot of podcasts for constructed magic, a lot of podcasts for like um, casual magic. But there was only one limited podcast. Only one. And I thought limited was the best part of this game, so I'm, I was very confused as to why there wasn't more. And uh, a lot of the times they didn't talk about the stuff that I wanted to hear about in, li- in terms of limited. I thought their podcast, um, this is obviously limited resources we're talking about. Maybe it's not obvious to you, but it's limited resources I'm talking about. Um, their podcast is uh, very... Um, they don't cover some of the more fun sides of limited like the silly sides in my opinion which are like I'm a, a pseudo casual type player because I'm not I'm not I'm not going to pro tours here I'm playing for fun so I don't know they don't talk about some of the stuff that I that I'm interested in knowing about and so um that was what got me interested I'm also you know competitive I try to win but um, let's let's put it this way: limited resources would never do the forcing the issue segment that we do. Exactly, and and uh, I figured that uh, the MTG Cast Network could use another limited podcast. So uh, 
and I've been wanting to podcast. I've been listening to podcasts for a while, so. To, to be fair, I would be stoked if there were even more limited podcasts. Like I think, like Definitely. you said, there there are a ton that cover constructed and that cover the more casual formats. Like there are multiple commander like only podcasts, right? Uh, like this commander cast. I don't know if there's another one. No, I thought there was like two or three, but I mean, well, yeah, they talk about it in other in other ones. Like Monday okay. Night Magic talks about it. I think. And, and you know what? To be fair, it. we should say that uh, the third power is. Ta- uh, I technically guess te- a limited technically podcast. a limited format, yeah, a limited podcast. I think they started at the exact same time as us, though. So yeah, they were they started right around when, we did. when I decided to do this. Yeah, I mean, everything Jeff said is true. I think the other, I mean, I've I've I'm just kind of a podcast enthusiast. I don't listen to a whole lot of magic podcasts, but I listen to a lot of other podcasts. And uh, when Jeff approached me and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a magic podcast," I was it didn't take long for me to be like, yep, I'm on board. That sounds awesome. So the second question uh, is actually related to limited resources um, because uh, our, our listener wanted to know, um, he wanted to know what we think the biggest difference between that, that podcast and our podcast is. I'll take this one. Okay. I think it's all the fucking curse words. (laughs) That's the biggest difference. (laughs) I mean, it's no, uh, like we kind of alluded to in the previous question, it's basically that they, they take a very strict nuts and bolts approach to tackling a limited format, whereas we get a little sillier with it. We we do forcing the issue. We play games on the podcast, like the uh, the flavor text game and the uh, what card am I thinking? Like these, these things don't really have any bearing on limited magic. It's just more of just kind of like stuff we do for fun. Mm-hmm. to engage you the listener and to engage ourselves as far as like having a good time while we do this that's not to say that john and marshall don't have an awesome time when they do their podcast i'm sure it's a lot of fun for them um i mean i have a lot of fun talking about the the competitive and the uh i don't know the really in-depth limited stuff that we do but at the same time we have a little more i don't know kind of random goofiness that happens in our podcast Right. That's not related to, like, limited in particular, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they... Do you agree, or is there something else you think is uh, a major difference, Jeff? No, I think that is the major difference. It's just theirs is very much a, if you listen to this podcast, we are here to lay knowledge down and try to make you better. And I mean, we, we're trying to do that as well here, but that's not our total goal. We're also trying to, I don't know, screw around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think above all, like, when you listen to any podcast, you want to be entertained. And I'm going to admit that I don't think I could be entertaining taking a, a strictly nuts and bolts approach to talking about limited magic. Yeah, in the same way. I think that's so. That's that is one of my weaknesses, and it's not one for John and Marshall. They do a great job of kind of being serious about the gameplay, but also talking about it in an engaging and entertaining way. So, mm-hmm. what's the next question, Jefferson? All right, this is. Uh, I think we have covered this, but I think it's been a long time. Um, this is what is your favorite draft format, and what is your least favorite draft format? My favorite draft format was Ravnica Block, the original. Mm-hmm. So as you might imagine, I'm very, very excited to return to Ravnica in the fall. 
close second is Rise of Eldrazi. That format was sweet. Dark Horse would be Champions of Kamigawa. Champions, Champions, Betrayers was really good. Triple Champions was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm almost always on board for any like triple big set draft format. But with that said, like for a full block, Ravnica block was far and away my my favorite. Yeah, I'm sadly going to just say ditto to everything Greg just said. <laughs> uh, we've been, I mean we've been drafting together for most of the time. Uh, I mean another another format that you didn't mention that I do really really like is shards shards block. Shards is great. The full block, yeah. Yeah. What about least for favorite? Now least favorite. Any corset ever. Right. I can say nah, not I can true. say corset. If I said a corset, I'd probably say M M11 was probably my least favorite. I mean, because I wasn't, to tell you the truth, I wasn't drafting corsets really until M10. And I think that's true about everybody. I mean, people weren't drafting yeah, 7th edition. Aside from pre-releases, you know, where you show up and you're like, or, or release events. Yeah, you're like, oh, we got to play with this, this corset. All right, we did it once. Never, <laughs> Never again. Never again. <laughs> But yeah, the new ones are built for for limited. Um, they didn't really do that before, so so they're definitely limited formats, and they're definitely the weakest of the limited formats, in my opinion. Um, but if well, we're they're just the least complex, right? And, uh, and therefore, to me, the least interesting, right? Well, what about like a, an actual expansion? What 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 was your least favorite? Do you think? Oh, man, it's tough. Like so, the the formats that are really swingy. And um, have just broken cards printed at common and stuff like that. I would say that they're not good, but truthfully, I enjoy drafting them. Even though, I mean, I'm talking about say, Tempest Block Draft or the Wrath Cycle, um, where Rolling Thunder is a common, uh, one of the best fireballs printed for a, you know, a, a limited format is a common. Um, we have Pestilence at common in Urza's Block Draft. I mean, these cards just break the format, and it's it's just fun to play in those formats anyway for me, just because uh, it's probably a nostalgia thing. So I wouldn't say those, although I would say they probably should be considered the worst. Um, my actual least favorite, probably because it's most fresh in my mind, is Scars of Mirrodin Block. Why didn't you like that format? You know, I can't really put my finger on it. Triple Scars of Mirrodin was alright, and I, I didn't... Like, at the time when we were drafting, and I was like, uh, this Infect crap is really bothering me. But then once the Infect kind of, like, became a, a side thing, and uh, in the triple, all three, you know? In the full block? The full block, it was kind of a fringe strategy, and I, I just felt like the, the set had no identity anymore. And it was, like, just a bunch of cards that, I don't know, it, it, was, it seemed very bomb-centric, like... Just, it was really hard for me to draft. I didn't draft it all that much, actually, to tell you the truth. Probably four or five times. And every time I was just disappointed. I I can't even tell you exactly what it was, but did not enjoy that format at all. See, I like that one, especially after we got... I I thought Triple Scars was the worst iteration of that format, because (laughs) it was Black-Green Infect versus any other deck. And... When they did kind of, I don't know, dissipate the the infect th- into the other colors, like 
or dissolve. I don't know what the D word I'm looking for here is, but D's nuts. D <laughs> Snoop, is that you? No, uh, I don't. I don't. I didn't like the 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 triple format, but I did like uh, Scar Scars, Besieged. or I guess Besiege. I guess it was Besiege Scar Scars, and I did like uh, New Phyrexia Besiege Scars. And I, the full block I thought was actually a very good format. Boy, I, I, thought that, I hated it. Yeah, I, I I found it very complex, and it was definitely tricky, and it, it felt very hard to win at first because it didn't. Yeah, it did feel like just kind of certain cards took over the game. But the more I drafted it, the more I came to appreciate that as kind of a fully developed format with like because I think the strategies changed very drastically each time a new set came out in that block. Yeah, I agree. They think that that. That block might have changed the most, like in terms of every new set, or not the most, but but a lot in terms of every new set coming out. Like something like um, like shards block limited. When Conflux came out, it was essentially the same format again. I don't know, to, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. So like, I mean, it, but it it changed some of the cards and it developed it in a, in a slightly different way. Whereas in Scars Block, when one of those new sets came out, the format was drastically different. Yeah. Because and, and it almost always had to do with the fact that Infect was in another color or that like Metalcraft was harder to do. Or I mean, Phyrexian mana was a total blowout. I mean, that inherently changed the way the game was played because there were these certain cards that basically became colorless. Like you could get Pith Drillers in your blue white deck. I mean that card was awesome, but card was uh, awesome. I mean, I didn't. I mean, we we don't need to keep diving into scars block because it's it's okay for that to be your least favorite. <laughs> it is okay, and yeah. it is. It's either that or like the uh, like cold snap, but I only drafted that once. <laughs> yeah, cold snap would be up there for me, but I have some bad memories of that as well. And that's kind. Of, I mean, I I don't really count that as far as like official magic sets it almost felt like a like an unglued set or something to me right for me it was probably either was it lorwyn or shadowmore which is the one that had the hybrid mana shadowmore shadowmore eventide mm-hmm. that one didn't do a whole lot for me yeah I, I, i've I, never been a big fan of tribal based sets like onslaught is also pretty low on my list mm-hmm. onslaught block yeah. But at the same time, like Onslaught Block had some cool things going on with Morph. Like Morph was pretty interesting. Right. But the like tribal, like weird kind of mono slash multicolored thing going on in Lorwyn, I, I wasn't really into that. Or not Lorwyn, it was Shadowborn even type. But that that was my least favorite. I didn't. I mean, I and kind of like you and Scars, I didn't play that format a whole lot. Like I drafted it a like probably I don't know, ten to fifteen times, and never really came away with any appreciation for the format mm-hmm. i also don't like formats where there's one clear best draft deck and this is a lot of the reason why i don't like constructed is that sometimes there's one deck that is just clearly better for the most part and in shadow more eventide the mono red deck was so good that like if you weren't forcing it you kind of weren't doing it right and I don't, I don't i mean i like my formats to be a little more diverse than that yeah so i, I agree What's the next question from this wonderful emailer? Uh, this other, this wonderful emailer. I actually think that was the last question. Oh, all right. Yeah. I've got an email here, and this is. We'll, we'll go through this one quick. It's oh, from. Oh, by uh, the way, I don't think we mentioned his name. Oh, uh, you should do that. It's Nicolau. From. Uh, no last names, dude. Oh, sorry. 
We can edit that out. I'll edit it out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right. Uh, this next email is from Christopher. Christopher M. Uh, he says he enjoys the podcast. That's great. His mailbag question, though, is, and I quote, I was wondering, have you guys gone, quote, infinite, unquote, on MTGO in terms of drafting? Have you, Jeff? I have not. I've gotten close, but uh, I'd say that the closest I got was during um, Dark Ascension Innistrad draft. I probably spent an average of one to two tickets each draft, which is not technically infinite. But I did that for probably ten drafts. Then I started losing again. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's really fucking difficult. Like, really, really, really hard. Yeah, I read some article a while back that basically said if you want to go infinite on MTGO, you basically have to do it in Constructed. Because mm-hmm. no, there, you don't have to invest in the packs necessarily. You just have to build a deck that can win on average enough tickets or packs to like make up for the tickets you spent to get into the event. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Or I shouldn't say it's impossible to go quote unquote infinite on MTGO draft, but it's easier to do it in constructed queues. With that said, I haven't gone infinite on MTGO either. I mean, I've mentioned on the podcast that I don't play online all that often. Uh, I draft in person for the most part. And if I play online, it's maybe once or twice a week. My, like the best performance I've had was back in Ravnica Block when that was online. I uh, I had a really good run there, but I was I had a really good run in that format in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, was the closest I ever came. I mean, the thing about going infinite with limited is we mentioned already there's there is more luck in limited. Like there just is, and when you add when you put luck into things uh, to say, to go like infinite, you have to also be just running really good on your luck. Yeah, and an important way, like if you want to try to do like kind of a infinite, a really good way to do that is uh, draft at the very, the very first week a set is released. If you do that, and you draft a lot that week, like you can just do say Swiss queues, and if you go two and one, just because the rares are worth so much you'll probably pull the rares to, to make you go infinite, even if you're just going two and one every draft or something. But uh, that only lasts for, like, six to seven days. <laughs> then they all dip to, like, .01 tickets. Yeah. But for that, a while, that... like, there's junk rares that are worth <laughs> two tickets. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, neither of us have really gone infinite on MTGO, probably just because we don't play all that much on there, and also because it's relatively impossible to quote unquote go infinite doing drafts. But again, I think we're not the <laughs> there. There are better players than us that probably couldn't go infinite either. Is my guess. So oh, definitely. I, I mean, I don't yeah. think that I don't think Mr. Finkel could go infinite on MTGO limited, straight Vince. limited. Speaking of which, another PT top eight for him. Yeah, he's a master. He is indeed a master. Uh, Last last thing I wanted to get to was a Twitter question from at Bupkis. This is our friend John. Uh, (laughs) He sent us some questions, and we've been calling for mailbag questions for a while now, and I kind of didn't realize how long it had been, because I went, I'm like, oh, let's do the mailbag today, Jeff, and then I looked back at these questions, and 
they're both about Innistrad and Dark Ascension cards. And, uh, like, for example, he says, I was crushed again by Flyers in Dark Ascension Innistrad draft. What's a good strategy besides Scarecrow versus Flyers? My werewolves want to howl. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for the question, John. But I don't think it's really important that we answer this question at this point. I honestly don't know what I would say besides draft more Scarecrows and more... Uh, what was the gargoyle called? I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Gargoyle. We don't care about Dark Ascension Innistrad anymore. That that time is over now. Bupkiss. That format is Bupkiss. Bupkiss. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to use this question as a, a point to illustrate that maybe we should be a little more on time with our mailbag readings because these questions can lose relevance pretty fast. With that said, if you, I mean, we're gonna, we will continue to read emails and whatnot on the podcast if you send them in, uh, if you have questions and all that jazz. But if you do, try to make them relevant to what's going on right now, or make them a little more general, like uh, the questions Nikolaus sent about draft formats in general and all that nonsense. No, not not hating on John at all. Just saying this question wouldn't really make sense for us to answer at this point. So. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on. Sounds good. All right. New segment. Three questions. Three questions. Jeff, I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. And they're all kind of related, and I want you to answer them. All right. Question number one. What's the worst color in Avacyn Restored Limited? Uh, can I answer this with a yes or a no? <laughs> um, no. What's the worst color? Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think the worst color is black. Okay. Yeah. Do you care to expand on that at all? Or actually, you know what? Don't expand on that. Question number two. What does the color lack that, I mean, what what makes it the, the worst color? Like, what does it, what is it not able to do? I think it lacks uh, synergy with most other colors. Um, it has good synergy with red, and then it ends there pretty much i would also say that it has good synergy with blue it has okay not quite, synergy with blue not quite as good as the synergy it has with red but i think the black blue deck is a real deck i think that blue has pretty good synergy with every color <laughs> that's um, fair and truthfully i actually think black blue might be the worst of the blue decks i think blue green is better i think blue white is better and blue red is probably better i Disagree on blue red, but that's okay. Well, okay, it, I, it's close for that one. But I just think that black, uh, it's mostly like just lacking synergy. Uh, the cards are fairly underpowered if you're not doing the uh, whole sacrifice my stuff and and half one creature, the loner mechanic or the loner. Yeah, I mean, and if you're doing the loner mechanic, you need a card like homicidal seclusion. Or that card is like good, that. by the way. Oh, that card is great. But it's, like, kind of required. Or else your deck is just... Otherwise, you're just, like, you're a loner because you have a, a big flyer that, that won't allow you to play other creatures. And if they're like, well, I'll defang that. And you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> what do I do? Oh, my. Yeah, I think it's just too easy. And the, and the other thing is... Deathwind is the common that makes you want to play black, and we've said already, and we'll, I'll say it again, um, every deck can play that card. You don't need to be black to play that card. It's very splashable. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, there are definitely uncommons that would put me into black, and I would play black. I'm not. I I will never cut a color out. Like I'll never, no matter what the format is, I'm not gonna be like this color's terrible. I'm never drafting it. That's not the way I draft. So, I just think that it's the worst color. Although well, I will draft it and have. What do you think about mono black? That's probably bad. I don't know. I I can't imagine that. I actually played against a mono black deck, but uh, he was. Um, this, it was actually his first draft ever, and he didn't realize that. That not going like to, that you could go to color. <laughs> uh oh, <that's laughs> he just trouble. took a black card and was like, "Okay, I'm taking black cards," and like that's all he did. And and afterwards, I talked to him about it. I wonder how many formats were like you could go in blind and have that almost work. You know, not many. Yeah, not many. But I mean, what what do you think would be the best format for that? Where you're like, you know what? I've never drafted in my life. I'm gonna take one color and I'll just have a one color deck. So oh, this black card looks good. I'll take that. M11. M11? I think that was the blue format, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. The one where blue was just way better than everything else. Yeah. There was, there, also, there... There was also a good mono black deck in that format, too. Okay. So you could do it in multiple colors in M11. Yeah. Just those that? two, but definitely yeah. not red. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's que- my answer. Question number three. All right. What's the best color to pair it with? You already covered this. You said it was red. Yeah. But why? Oh, uh, uh, Thatcher Revolt <laughs> is why. Uh, it's, I mean, that's going to be the answer with red a lot of the time. If, if the question is about red and why is it good, the answer is Thatcher Revolt. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just very synergistic. You know, you're sacrificing your things. That's kind of Black's deal. If you're not doing that, you're probably not doing it right, and your deck's probably not very good. And, uh, you know, Thatcher Revolt is a common that makes three guys that are dying anyway, so you might as well get some crazy good value out of them with your Blood Artists yeah. and Spone Splinters and the Blood, blood Connoisseurs. Flow connoisseur, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's right. essentially what. There's also some other things that care about Sacrifice in Red. Not a, a lot, but a few. So... I'm going to temporarily change the title of this segment to four questions because I have a follow-up question for you now. Okay. What do you, I mean, we talked, we talked about what the top commons were on a previous podcast and in red, we said that pillar of flame was the best common. And then we kind of discussed what we thought the second best common was. And we talked about the intimidating vampire and we talked about how thatch revolt and riot ringleader could also be important. Mm-hmm. Has your mind changed at all? Because you were kind of in on... I can't remember the name of the vampire right now. The uh, 2-2 Intimidate for 4 mana. I also can't remember the name of it, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm I'm totally disagreeing with myself. <laughs> yeah, because Thatcher Revolt is better than that, right? It definitely. So is Riot Ringleader. So is Fervent Cathar. Yeah. And maybe even the Lancer. The first Lancer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so They're all probably better than it. It's just not synergistic at all and that's the problem yeah it's a great card in a vacuum the the intimidate vampire but it doesn't because it's not a human because it's double red and kind of slow in general it's it doesn't really fit with red's game plan of just cram dudes onto the battlefield and turn them sideways Mm -hmm. uh that said i mean i don't think you're going to cut the first copy from any red deck necessarily but those other cards, the Thatcher Revolt, the Ringleader, the Fervent Cathar, they're all kind of more important to Red's plan Absolutely. in general. 
and therefore are probably better picks most of the time. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's like way low on the pick order for Red Commons, which I by my first analysis of the set was that it was maybe even better than Pillar of Flame because I was like, holy crap, this thing is just going to grow every turn no matter what. But right. turns out it doesn't matter because it's too expensive, too slow, just not not exciting. And I think that in general, because of the speed of red and because of, I don't want to call it the speed of green, but kind of the, I guess it is speed or, I, or it might even be, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is here, but like the relative size of the green creatures versus, <clears throat> excuse me, the creatures in other colors, the format is faster than it might have appeared upon our initial inspections. Yeah, I agree. Um, mostly Red is the cause. Green somewhat. Green has the problem, or green has the problem. I guess it's a benefit of just having your opponent is going to have like an impossible time just being in combat with green and having it work out for them. The green creatures are simply more efficient on like a power and toughness scale. Yeah. The yeah the creatures in other colors. I found that the turn after a green creature enters the battlefield that creature is essentially unblockable. Like, they they play a guy that is bigger than your guy for the same mana cost, and so the, that turn, they get a turn where attacking is just not going to benefit, or the, the blocking that attacker is not going to benefit you until you play something more expensive that finally matches that. And then you're just kind of trading down, and it's bad for you to be in, co- in combat with green. You really... to Combat green, you're going to need to be probably blue and bouncing their stuff. Yeah. And then, bec- yeah, I think that that makes the format a little faster than we ri- originally anticipated, just because they can start going on the offensive a lot faster than a lot of the other colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Red and green are good in this format. Newsflash. Yeah. And you know what? I will say this Cathedral Sanctifier, not unplayable. Not unplayable. I've had it. But I have had it played against me and had the impact be very limited, you know? Yeah, no, it's not good, but it's not unplayable. It's, I think it's still a sideboard card. Yes, definitely. Uh, let's move on to the discussion of miracles. Jeff, I know you kind of wanted to talk about how the advent of miracles has changed the way you play. Yeah, well, so I had this, like, so my draft this, this week, I... I had two Thunderous Wrath in my deck. And yes, the card is amazing. How did I get two? I don't know. Somebody passed me a second for some weird reason. But uh, I had two. I mean, first of all, my first match, I never drew a Thunderous Wrath. Uh, uh, not not in my opening seven, is what I mean. Never so, had the chance to miracle one. Right. And, and I was just playing the game like I always play. And I wasn't thinking anything about it miracles and then round two happens and i'm like playing i'm kind of constrained on my mana i've missed a few land drops i think i have three mana out i have a bunch of expensive cards in my hand and i'm like i'm so screwed and then i i draw my card for turn and i always the way i play is i snap i snap the card into my hand like just one quick motion (laughs) and i do this and i look at my Thunderous Wrath that I just drew, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, like, what an idiot I am. Like, how did I do this? 
I just totally blew it. Like this would have saved me big time. Like I, I did, I did lose that game, but it was very close. And I think if I had cast that Thunder's Wrath there, maybe I would have won. I don't know. It was just one of those things where the second that that happened, I just, first of all, my first thought was, I hate miracles. Like, <laughs> I hate them because this just happened to me. And the second was, well, I have to change how I'm doing, how I'm drawing yeah, my cards. Don't hate the card. Hate yourself, Jeff. Well, no, but and then my third thought was, I hate this again because now I have to change how I do things. And I don't like change. <laughs> and so when I realized I had this this little argument with myself in my head, uh, now every card I draw, I pick it up, I tap it twice on the table, and then I put it in my hand. I don't know. I, I just need a tick for when I do things. Just I don't know why. That's the way I that's the way I am with magic. And so that's my new tick is I do that. And what I found, I mean, first of all, one thing I found is that yes, I got to cast cards for their miracle cost because I took a <laughs> second, and it was awesome. Like thunderous wrath for one mana, really, really overpowered. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that was great is because I had to think about, like, because I was doing this tick, it made me get really excited for every draw step. And I know people have talked about this already, like, oh, the miracles make you excited for your draw step. And I just didn't buy it, and my first round it wasn't the case. But once I started doing this, it really actually did get me, like, because every time I'm thinking about, ooh, like, this could be a thunderous wrath, what am I going to do? And when it happens, it's like, ha-ha! <laughs> gotcha! And it I mean, it, it was just cool. I 180'd big time in my head within, like, the span of, I don't know, two minutes. <laughs> it is pretty interesting that they took a part of the game that was very much not important, pretty much, like, for the most part, and made it something you had to think about. It made right. the draw step matter. Because right. before, like, everything happened either on the upkeep or in the main phase. The draw step was just something that kind of just happened and then was over. It was like, okay, I've drawn my card. Now what? Now it's like things happen in the draw step, and that's kind of cool. Like, that's never really been the case before. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been some, I mean, obviously you could say like, oh, well, I've done this in a draw step before, but it's like, hey, you know what, buddy? Screw you. We're not talking about your one little corner case. That's right. No corner cases here. Yeah. Although these cards don't come up all that often, they're only at uncommon, rare, and mythic, so that is a thing. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, like from a game, like uh, like a gameplay and a slow play perspective. Like, and I saw somebody tweet about this. I can't remember who it was, but how long is too long to wait when you draw a card and it's not a miracle? Like, while you quote unquote think about it, like to to maybe bluff the card. Like, how okay is that? I'd say that waiting longer than 10 seconds is probably not okay. Now, but if it, let's say you, it is a miracle card you're looking at. Is waiting longer than 10 seconds okay at that point? I guess so. I, yeah, I guess so. And I that's why, that's why I don't know, like, I don't know if that's really a fair answer. You know, yeah, you're right. It all kind of comes back to something we said a few episodes ago where if you have miracles in your deck and you haven't drawn them yet, and you and you have the mana to cast them for their miracle cost when you draw your next card, you should probably try to keep in the back of your mind, like, if I draw this card on my next draw step, will I miracle it or not? So that when you do draw your card and you do see that miracle, it's more of an automatic choice for you. Mm -hmm. And if that means maybe 
taking more time on your opponent's end step or taking more time on your own upkeep before you even look at the card, I think that's okay. I think that's better. It is better. At the same time, I again, I, I don't know how a judge would look at that as far as like slow play or anything like that. Because um, you don't also because the thing is you don't want to pick up every card and be like, oh, not a miracle. I'll look at it for two seconds, put it into my hand. When, and then when you do draw the miracle, you're like, oh crap, I need more than two seconds to evaluate whether or not I want to play this or not. Because mm-hmm. then it's obvious that you have it, and based upon what colors you're in, your opponent knows like, okay, he either drew thunderous wrath or he drew bonfire of the damned mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's not good either like you don't want to give your opponent that information so taking like the judges and the slow play out of it just kind of as a player you should be trying to think about this like during the game at all times i mean that's a lot to ask of anybody and it's i mean but i do think it'll it'll improve your play and make it harder for your opponent to get a read on you Definitely. I, I mean, I did that exact thing with my Thunderous Wraths is because I was thinking about like, ooh, I could draw Thunderous Wrath this turn. I was always like, if I do, this is what's happening. And I pick up the card, I knock it twice on the table. By the time I've knocked it the second time, I know what I'm doing. Like I, when I drew that Thunderous Wrath, I immediately pointed it at a creature. Like I didn't even think about it because I knew I had already planned on doing that. And it made it so every time I picked up a card, like, it was essentially the same as if it had Miracle or not in terms of how long I would think about it. And so I'm not giving anything away. The only thing I was giving away is that I had Miracles in my deck, I guess. But once you've cast the first copy, they know that. So, and, and that's a case where once you've cast Thunderous Wrath once, in the next game, you should be able to bluff it if you want to. You should be able to, like, pick up the card and go, hold on, you know? Yeah, totally. I agree. That's a, that's a part of the game. And I did, I mean, I got a tell off somebody in one round where they picked up a card and they did not cast it, but there was definitely a, a pause. <laughs> so it was, there was a tell on it. They were white, green, and so I assumed that it was the white removal spell. Vanishing Stroke? Yes, and it was. Could, okay. Could have been Blessings of Nature. It could have been, but it was one of those things where uh, the board state said that if it was a Blessings of Nature, definitely should have casted it. Okay. So, yeah, so that there's a good example of surveying the board and understanding like what your opponent drew in that case. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got a read out of it, and uh, I can't remember if it even helped me, but it might have. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely could have helped you, whether yep. you use that knowledge to your advantage or not is, I mean kind of up in the air but yeah yeah so i mean i think the overall lesson here is you have to change your habits when you're playing avison restored limited because of these cards you have to kind of think about how you draw your cards and also think about again like kind of think ahead as far as when you do draw something what are you going to do if it is a miracle like no before you draw and maybe if you don't have any miracle cards bluff it every once in a while you know yeah why not I actually, I was thinking about that for a while when I was doing my new my new way to draw cards. I was like, should I pause on a card every so often? But then, like, I don't know. I just created this tick to where I don't pause in this thing I'm doing, so I just never paused. But yeah. I could try it. I don't know. I, I'd, like to, I'd like to screw with people. I did bluff somebody out by making them think I was just getting land, mana flooded. Um, I didn't cast a single spell until... I was at six mana, 
But barter I could, and blood? Yeah, it was it was barter and blood. <laughs> yeah, and, I've and done actually, that a couple times. Yeah, so I got to six mana, and he was like only had one guy out for the longest time, and it was a I don't remember what it was. It was some flyer, and so I'm like, uh, and then I hit six mana, and I had the um that big demon that draws you cards. That card's insane. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna cast this, then cast two guys, then barter and draw four. You know. <laughs> Um, so I cast that, and then he's like, ha, 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 cast Mist Raven on his turn. And I was like, thank you, sir. <laughs> and so I just barter, and he was like, he paused for the longest time, and he was like, ugh, guess you just run good, huh? And I was like, yeah, I guess that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I wasn't holding out the whole game for yeah, this. Yeah, I guess I didn't play anything for six turns because I had this, I drew this barter and blood. I knew I was going to draw this barter and blood off the top. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, pretty Some funny. people like they they'll take any any opportunity to blame their misfortune in the game on top decks. Yeah. Well, I mean to tell you the truth, I was really trying to play it off like I was like every draw step I was like, "Ugh, really?" Like I wasn't saying that, but it was like it was on my face. A little body language. Yeah. So I he, guess if you, even, if you sold it, maybe he was convinced well, that he, he didn't even have said it. something like by like turn 5 or whatever and I'm just like play my land i'm like go he's like not drawing it huh and i was like yeah something like that <laughs> i don't know i think if that was the case like you wouldn't have kept your hand and that's something that he's got to be able to see through you know well the other thing is i don't play at the shop i go to very often and so i mean i didn't know the guy i think he plays there often and he doesn't know me so i mean his assumption i think was that i was a bad player or a mediocre player he was very upset when he lost to me by the way <laughs> okay um yeah, he's just like showed me his whole deck. He's my, he's like my deck's so much better than anything. I can't believe I lost. It's such so ridiculous. To be fair, that's another assumption you should never make about anybody you meet at a Magic tournament. Like I've met ten year olds that are really friggin' good at Magic. Absolutely. You know. Yep. And I've yeah I've met some really smart adults who, for the life of them, can't grasp some like simple tenets of like card advantage and tempo and all that nonsense. So. Yeah, don't don't underestimate your opponents just because I don't know, especially after they make a play like that, like sandbag, 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 barter and blood. <laughs> I think he really thought that I drew it. I don't know. Well, and I mean that's fair, but at the same time, like if I think if you're smart, you you see through that a little bit, you know? Yeah, I he yeah he he was being a baby, and uh, <laughs> I would call him out with his name right now if I knew it, but I have no clue what his name is. He was kind of a dick. He also tried to cheat. And, yeah, I don't know. I really don't like this guy. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, he played, um, so it was actually that, that turn when I, when I, uh, Barter and Blood. He, like, tanked for a long time, looked at the board, and then he's like, okay, uh, gonna peel from reality my Griff Vanguard or whatever, whatever it was. And I was like, uh, can I look at that card? <laughs> like, yeah, it requires two targets. Can't cast this. And he's like, yeah. And then he just, I mean, he knew it. Yeah, like, it was one of those things where he thought that I didn't know it, and so he's just trying to game the system, which is fucking bullshit. He tried to cheat. I mean, it, that's something I'd probably call a judge on. Eh, I mean, what, what's what's I guess he gonna it's a local, do? Local shop. Well, the, and the yeah. thing is, is like even if I call a judge and it's a major event, the person would have been like, "Oh, I didn't realize," you know, and they give him a warning. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that's the important part is that in case they try to do the same thing in the next match. You know, true, true, true. If they do it again, then it's like, yeah, you had your warning. Like, you can't do that. Anyway, anything else you want to say as far as miracles are concerned? No. 
Well, uh, what do you say we wrap it up then? Let's wrap it. Wrap it up. Uh, you have been listening to East West Draftcast. And if you would like to contact us or send in a question for the mailbag, you can do that. Our email address is eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. And you can search us up on Facebook. Uh, you can either just use the search bar at the top of the page, or you can go to facebook.com backslash EWDraftCast. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, uh, my podcast Twitter handle is at EWDraftCast, and Jeff's is at Jeff, J-E-F-F-E-W-D-C. None of that G-E-O-F-F nonsense. Yeah, that's that's pretty nonsensical. I mean, that's goff. No. It's no? like gilf or something. Gilf? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, his name isn't gilf, people. It's Jeff. Yeah. So, uh, and what am I What am I forgetting, Jeff? You are forgetting our fabulous website, eastwestdraftcast.com. Uh, it, I, it is fabulous. Greg has a, uh, a black-red kind of primer-ish thing up on there. Uh, which is pretty cool, and I have posted a uh, forcing the issue for Cube on there if you're interested in that, forcing Reanimator, and it was a lot of fun. And I actually I'm probably going to post a second, uh, which is essentially the exact same thing except I did not force it, but it happened. You just anyway. got it. <laughs> um, but did I tell you I did my first MTGO Cube draft a little while ago? You did not. How did it go? Uh, well, if you really want to see it. You can go to the mothership and check out. Uh, they it, it became like one of their featured draft dealios. Huh? They posted the draft on online. I'll uh, I'll send you the link and you can check it out. My deck was terrible. Uh, I don't know if it was terrible, but I lost to a very good deck that ended up winning the draft. I tried to draft like a blue black control deck. I think I passed Skeletal Vampire at one point. Your favorite card. <laughs> um, it might have been a mistake, but it's yeah. a very good finisher for control. Yeah, I it was pretty early in the draft. I wasn't concerned about getting a finisher. No, you probably made the right pick. It's it's not a high pick, but it's a good card. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of an ugly deck, and I'm really glad they didn't show the games because like the first game I played against this guy in round one was just like it was a train wreck. Like I wasn't really playing anything, and he was just dropping these things that I couldn't deal with. He was like a, a blue green splash something like ramp. mana ramp deck. Yeah, ramp and is probably the best deck in this cube. It seems. Yeah, his deck was very good. Yeah, I mean I've dra- I've drafted the cube I don't know twenty times at this point, uh, the MTGO cube, and uh, yeah, it, it just really appears that if if you're ramping, um, you're probably doing it right. Like in general, that deck is just really really powerful and. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so much good stuff to ramp into, um, and there's just so much ramp that it's impossible, like, not to get there. You know what I mean? In terms of the the support, and there's, I don't know, the cube is just built to be ramping pretty pretty well. Yeah, I uh, we can post the link on the show notes, and maybe some people who are better at cube than I am can tell me what I did wrong in the draft or in deck building, but. It was, yeah, not 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 a great result. Um, with that said, I hope they. I mean, is it done now? Is cube draft over at this point? It is over at this point. Uh, right now, their time spiral drafts are still going on. I've been doing those. Those are fun. 
But uh, yeah, Cube is done, and uh, we'll be back, I'm sure, because because they like yeah. people spending money, and people spend money on that shit. I'm looking forward to it coming back so I can play again. But uh, until then, we're just gonna have to keep talking about whatever the normal ass limited format is. Avison restored. I I enjoy Avison restored so far. I'm, I I think it's good actually. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to keep drafting it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the set. It seems very balanced. The soul bond mechanic is really cool. Yeah. Like. I couldn't wrap my head around all the different ways that was going to come into play, but it's very interesting, and it's very, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's just, like, it's super cool, like, the interactions you get between, like, a card like Wingcrafter is good now. Like, that's a 1-1 yep. flyer. Yep. It is yeah. good. Anyway, uh, that's all I got. How about, how about we say goodbye? All right. Goodbye. Bye. Trapcast out. <laughs>